everybody. Welcome to our season preview podcast series. We kick it off uh, with one of our very good friends, uh, the head coach and former, or the head coach of North Hunterdon High School, the former assistant coach here at Montgomery, Kyle Rarick. Kyle, what's going on, man? Not much. Just a great Monday here in Hunterdon County. <laughs> That's fantastic. Are you done making fun of my uh, Matt Ryan poster in the background now? Uh, no, there'll still be some more. Okay. I, I'll prepare myself for that. Um, Coach, you know, I, I don't think that there's a, a more fun time of the year. And this probably spans across sports, not only for basketball. Hope springs eternal in the preseason, baby. Everybody has a chance. Uh, just talk about the excitement of, of what preseason basketball brings for you. I mean, like you said, it's new. We don't get the opportunity to be with them outside of the season, with the exception of the summer. So it's nice to get on the floor with them, see some new faces, especially since last year was so unique where we didn't have our JV team practicing with the varsity team. So for some of these guys, it's their first experience with me and with like a varsity type practice. And yeah, there's that optimism of a new year. Everyone haven't won a game, haven't lost the game yet. So it's, it's an exciting time. That was, it's actually interesting that you brought that up because that's something that's been on my mind. There were so many different approaches that people took um, to what last season, you know, was, you know, and how, if somebody gets COVID and then, you know, is that going to derail my whole team? What was your system in terms of how to split everybody up? Uh, we separated every team. No one practiced together, uh, no locker rooms. So like we had kids that were on the varsity team that in any other year would have been getting JV quarters. So I think from a developmental standpoint last year, it kind of hurt some of our guys that were on the varsity team as sophomores not really getting quarters that they should. So, I mean, that was our approach. Was it the correct approach? I don't know, but it, it worked for us. Like we, we avoided some internal uh, issues with uh, regards to COVID, but it's, it's what we thought would be best for the situation that we had. Did you have any conversations with kids that were like, listen, I would normally play you, you know, you would normally be a varsity player, but I'm going to give you the option whether you want to stay varsity or go play full-time JV because you're going to play more? Well, we had the conversations. It wasn't really much of an option. It was for some kids that were on JV that probably would have like dressed varsity and worked out with us. We said, look, we want you to play as much as possible. And would they, like, we could have said, we just want you to practice with us and not get the minutes but there were some kids that we had playing JV just to get game time. Yeah. And I guess like, how did you even flesh out like which of those options was better? Because I mean, certainly, you know, you can get better by practicing against better kids, but I don't think anything simulates the game. Right. Um, that's why, like I said, it was about getting minutes. And then some of the kids that were on varsity, we had high expectations for them. And as a sophomore, you know, sometimes it doesn't really pan out. So it would have been a decision like January that we would have said, you know what, you're going to start getting like two JV quarters just to get, get your feet wet, see the ball go in the hoop, have some success. But again, last year just kind of, it was unique. Did you have to have any conversations with like your team leaders this year or uh, was it, was it intrinsic for, to say to like for them to try to say to the younger guys that they maybe didn't get a chance to assimilate with like, Hey guys, like you're the leaders on this team. It's, you know, maybe you need to go out of your way a little bit more to, to create, you know, that program-wide team where those um, conversations had? We Well, we had a program meeting where we talked a little bit about that. And we're going to do some things throughout the year to kind of create that bond that we couldn't really have last year. Like, we usually do some 
uh, team building activities throughout the course of the year that obviously we couldn't do last year. So we're trying to get back to that because like this, our current sophomores, it's like they're brand new to the program because of the way last year went. What about the, I mean, I guess it's new. It, it doesn't feel so drastic to me anyway, but I, I'm not a coach, so I don't want to speak for any of you. And I know that, you know, in our fun little group chat that we have, there are some people that feel very strongly about it. The, the new schedule, the condensed kind of uh, way that things are put together. Are you seeing, feeling any differences there in terms of how you had to put everything together? I mean, it's, well, it hasn't kicked in yet. Right, right, right. But I mean, you, I mean, listen, I know you guys, you guys plan eight years ahead. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really affect our schedule that much. Like, I, I really look at it, it affects the meat of champions. I feel like that's the thing that is probably hurt the most, which is, I feel like that's a really poor decision by the state, but I mean, when, are, when was the last time North Hunter was in the meat of champions where that had an impact on our schedule? We, we haven't been there. So it really affects those upper echelon teams. For us, we're still gonna get our 24 games in plus it's just, you're going to be playing more three game weeks, three season might get cut down a little bit more. So is it going to be a pain at times? Yes. But I mean, we're getting games. They could have said, Hey, we're going to shorten it and we're going to cut games out, but you, you do what you can with it. It's yeah. not the end of the world. So are you guys kind of like fully back to normal in terms of where your schedule would have been and what you would want it to be, or did yeah. you still have to make some concessions? No, we're, we have a full schedule right now. There's nothing that we've had to modify or adapt. I mean, I think the biggest issue for us now is trying to figure out freshman games with busing. Which right. seems I, that's so crazy, awesome. right? Yeah. And, so, and, and that feels like everybody across the yeah, state. That's is. I mean. It's not just a North Hunterdon thing. It's not a Montgomery thing. This is statewide. So we're working on some, uh, some accommodations to try to make sure that our freshmen don't miss out on opportunities to play. What kind of stuff are you thinking about? Well, because we have the two gyms, uh, like playing freshman and JV simultaneously in two different gyms, just to make sure that they get games. Because I know like for football, freshman teams lost out. Our soccer team, our freshman soccer team, I think they played eight games all season long. So I want to get these kids on the court. They want to have that experience. So we're willing to make some things happen for them. You going out to get that CDL? Or what? Uh, funny thing, we've talked about that. Apparently, if you want to get that CDL, you have to be able to diagnose some problems with the bus, which, uh, yeah, not not my wheelhouse. Okay. I never knew that was a requirement. But, but that's a new thing. That's why we're not getting as many drivers. Wow. That's bananas. Yeah. Um, so now, obviously, I, I feel like I'm jumping all over the map here, but it's just what's coming into my head as we talk. That's fine. The you're now you're not 25 years old anymore you no. know not, we're, we're we're aging here sadly uh as you look back and reflect a little bit on your the early years of Kyle Rick as a coach and you know kind of where you are now what do you look back and say like you dummy what were you doing oh where to start do you have enough time <laughs> we're I'm I'm here for you coach this is your time um I mean I think one way that I have developed is just like schematically where at first I was almost like set in my ways where I thought this was the best thing to do offensively. This was the best thing to do defensively. And there was no straying from that. 
And now I've learned more and more to adapt with the kids because every year you have a different group of kids that have different talent levels. So I feel like that's one thing that I've done a, a good job of like changing. And I mean, I went as so drastic as to do the Grinnell system for two years, even though we, we modified it to make it work for us. But I think that is one thing that I've, I learned and I look back at some of our teams and I just said, I wish I would have changed things a little bit more because I feel like we could have had a little more success. Um, I also think that early on, I like lived and died by what happens with 16 and 17 year olds playing a game. And I've kind is of, that, is that a bad thing? Should you not do that? No, it's, it's not ask, ask coach Grundy. Um, <laughs> I, I just feel like I've kind of mellowed in some aspects. I mean, I can still be a, a lunatic, but I kind of let things like roll off my back a little easier. I'm, I don't want to say I'm not as strict, but I feel like I start, I'm understanding the dynamic of the growing male mind and what they need to hear, what they need to see, um, how they operate a little bit more. Well, you, so, and you've always kind of been a little more on the, um, the even keel side. I felt like you were like a little bit more of a, you know, walking tranquilizer dart, so to speak on the sideline. And then, you know, the guy who was, you know, pouring gasoline on the fire. Well, I mean, that, when you move over that one seat, you, you change. So, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but I think those are two things. And I mean, I'm still trying to become a better communicator with my guys, whether it's just like talks about their role, playing time, some of those conversations that aren't the easiest to have with them, but just to keep everyone on the same page and be as transparent as possible. Sure. And, and I think, that, right. I mean, that doesn't, that comes like across a lot of professions though, too. Right. You know, I mean, I feel like as I project that to like being a guidance counselor 15 years ago, if you told me, I need you to have this really difficult conversation with a, a parent and a, and a student about, you know, sexuality or, you know, so, you know, something related to, you know, that isn't just a hi, how are you conversation, you know, how much more comfortable we are having those conversations after having done this job for so long. Yeah. I, I imagine yeah. that's pretty translatable. Yeah. I mean, it's just like anything, getting experience, getting your feet wet, having them previously and learning from things that you said that work, things that you said that didn't work. It's, I mean, you're, we're still learning constantly. That's why like things change because you're always finding out, all right, this was, I'm going to scrap that because that just wasn't smart. Sure. You talked about um, going so, uh, to use your words, going so far as to implement the Grinnell system to, for everybody out there who doesn't know what the Grinnell system is, is kind of a run and gun. How fast can we get up the court and shoot a three? Uh, and, you know, they were putting up, I'm sure you could tell me what the numbers were. It was an astronomical uh, set of points in Division Three basketball. Um, and, and you went that direction. Did you catch heat from any of your colleagues for, for doing that? Uh, yes. Yes, I, I mean, when you lose your first two games by a total of like 150 to like 120 or 250 to 125, something in that area, you definitely catch some heat. And especially because it's so out of the box. And the way we started it, we tried to mimic Grinnell. And early on, we realized that that's not going to work. And by the end of year two with it, we weren't really playing the Grinnell system. Like we played maybe half of the game that way. And then we modified it to keep our better players on the floor more often. But there was definitely some, some heat that I took from 
like coaches in the building, not really administration, but parents and players that didn't think I knew what I was doing. Sure. It had to be some gut check moments in there for you too. I would assume when you were looking at that going, am I doing the right thing? I mean, first game of the year playing Gil with Paul Mulcahy and all those guys. And after the end of the first quarter, I think they had 40 points. I started walking to the locker room because uh, I saw 40 points on the board and I'm like, all right, that's a decent half. Yeah. And yeah. Oh man. Is that, I, I mean, I guess maybe that's the, how'd you get through that? Let me, let me ask that question. Just that simply. I just knew like we started it. I was sticking to it. It wasn't something that we were going to work all summer, all preseason on. And then because we played two really good teams, our first two games and didn't have success, I wasn't just going to get rid of it. And sure. I, I learned, I learned from it. There were things that we changed during year one. And then during year two, we changed even more. I mean, that was the year we took Pope John to overtime in the 101 Sussex finals. And Pope John had Aaron Clark, who's a scholarship player. Um, they, they're loaded with uh, they had two scholarship players on that team, a uh, 6'10 kid. Like, they were unbelievable. And I just felt like that was a game. If we play traditional basketball, we don't really hang with them. They're philosophically like i'm so interested in this stuff because i i mean basketball is one thing and if you're listening to this you know truly for the basketball you probably like it but there's i think there's probably a lot of other people out there that you know like like basketball and are fans and whatever but you know could probably relate to the things that we're talking about on a just a different level and that's where i think things get really interesting so as you're talking about you you know you worked all summer and you're not just going to scrap it after two seconds like i'm a believer on some level well, not on some level, I'm a believer that if you're doing something and you are like, wow, this is wrong, pivot fast and like make, make the change. Like don't beat your head against the wall. You know, a la the, the Cardinals, you know, they hire a coach and draft Josh Rosen. And then they're like, nope, new coach, Kyler Murray, you know, one year and we're going to change everything. How do you balance like the thought of like, hey, I think this is going to work but it's not working right now. Do we pivot or do we stay the course? Where, how do you figure out where that line is? Um, that's a great question because it was something, like I said, we were going to stick to it. And after those first two games, uh, game three and game four were Christmas tournament games. We saw progress. Game five, we finally win. So it was just like, just staying the course uh, to use the uh, Sixers trust the process. It, it was just something that we knew we had to do. And it goes for anything. Like if you start playing his own defense and you play really good teams to start and you lose, you're not just going to scrap that if you think that's what's best for your team. And I knew with like the players we had, uh, I'll say a name that will give some of the Montgomery coaching staff nightmares still, uh, Michael Del Santro, who could just flat out shoot the ball. Like we wanted to get him as many shots as possible. And I, I just knew it was what was best for that group. So as one of our, our surrogate uh, teams, you know, number one, we don't have to play in the county tournaments. So that makes life a little easier to root for you, even though we play you twice. Um, our, our surrogate franchise uh, over there in North Hunterdon, how do our Lions look this year? Um, you know, again, with last year being last year, it's tough to say. We have two starters that we return, and then we have a handful of guys that saw some varsity time, but we're still relatively inexperienced. Um, kids are working really hard. Like, we've probably had since tryouts we've probably had three and a half bad days so okay you'll take I that 
Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, one of them was a scrimmage, so you don't really like to see that. But they're working really hard. They're playing well together. They're doing everything that I ask. We still have some some kinks to iron out. Obviously, you're not going to be where you want to be right now. But we're a work in progress. And like we have some talent. We have some ability. It's just the gauntlet that is the Skyland Conference and the Raritan Division is it's going to be really tough this year. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, any movement on that now that you bring that up in terms of, cause I know that there's, you know, things that were floated out there. I don't know if they already ever got serious about making a, a public and a private and, you know, not necessarily having to subject some teams to play in, you know, the, the privates. Um, I think next year we're moving to three divisions where okay. I, I don't know how, I don't know if it was finalized for sure, but there was talk like all the group, like all the bigger group four schools and then, the uh, like Gill and Rutgers prep up and then the smaller group fours and group threes and then the group twos and group ones. That feels a little more equitable to me. No, I it's no matter what, you're not going to make everyone happy. Sure. And it it's tough when this is one of the better conferences in basketball, top to bottom, it's, it's going to be really tough to like do the schedule for basketball and then try to make it equitable for baseball and soccer. So I mean, See, but that now that's the part that I hate. Why does it all have to be the same? Why can't we just be like, hey, we're gonna have a meeting and realize these four teams are really good this year? There's your top division. Like, you should talk to your athletic director. I, I I'll I look forward to getting to know him. <laughs> um, the I, I mean I don't know I, I that always just felt to me like I understand equity clearly. I understand this public school. You know what I mean? That we want to make things as even as possible. But I feel like we could jump on a zoom altogether they're working on doing like program strength too as a way to move around a little bit you know i also think you guys are always very honest with each other though too so you it's not like somebody's sitting in there going they're gonna lie so they could win a division i mean for the most part the coaches like at least in the the raritan and the delaware division i think very like honest about where you are like by no means am i gonna ever say yeah you know what, we can play with like Gill and Rutgers prep. We should definitely be with them. I'm going to be very straightforward and honest. If we have a good team, I'm going to say we're going to have a really good team. If we're going to be awful, I'm going to say we're going to be awful. If we're going to be middle of the road, I'm going to say that. And I feel like a lot of the coaches are transparent with what they think their team's going to be. I think it speaks a lot to the relationship you've all built with each other. I mean, like, I'm going to ask you what you think of Montgomery. And I like, if I said that of, of you know, 98% of the coaches in the state to talk about another team, they'd be like, well, I don't really want to talk about another team. Meanwhile, it's like, the, you know, this group, we can do it. And it's not really like a, no, you know. And I feel like a lot of the coaches that are in our division, like we have solid relationships off the court where like we can share film, we can talk about things and no one's going to say, Oh, so-and-so said this. It's, it's a pretty good group that we have where it's nice to have the relationship with the guys you're coaching while it, does think coaching against them. It's still nice that, you know, you're going against someone that does things the right way. It's so, I feel like there's a lesson there for young people, for all people, but you know, probably young people, I think more than anything else is that like, you don't need to just be one thing. Oh, well, they're the other team. So I have to hate them. And I have to like, you know, have all these things that you're, you're taught as a child when you have a rivalry with somebody or something like that. It's like, we're all good and they're all bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, there's some qualified people, some people, some really nice people on the other side. And then when the whistle blows, we can, 
yeah, you know, we feel compete, how we feel. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with competing against friends. I mean, how often do you do that growing up when you're at the park, whether you're playing like football, baseball, I'll say lacrosse just for you. Like oh. you can go at someone for an hour. And then as soon as you're done, like there's still your boy, like there's nothing wrong with that. And that's, I, I feel like that's something as we in our society have gotten, it feels like, like a very, there's a dichotomy of you are this or you are that. Like yes. I started saying the other day that, um, cause I was having this conversation with my niece and nephew about how I'm like, you, what, why are, why do you insist on saying that it's a, a one, a, a prefixed menu of three courses on one side or the other? Like you're allowed to believe things like you're picking off the cheesecake factory menu. You can choose one thing from over here and, you know, and bring it all together. So I, I guess maybe the more things we can bring together like that, the, the better for the world. I don't know. It's my pie in the sky, my pie in the sky counselor view. So, uh, all right. So give us the outsider's view on, on Montgomery this year. I mean, we got to start with the kid that I've been trying to recruit for like three years to come to North hundred and but just won't listen. <laughs> uh, if the state's listening, I'm kidding. Uh, I mean, when you have someone like Ryan Curry, like he automatically makes your team better. Like he's going to get everyone's focus, everyone's attention. And like, he's just a phenomenal player. Um, you, I mean, you throw in Simborski, who probably, I mean, Montgomery's had kids that take charges. He might be the all-time charge leader yep. after he graduates. And the fact that, like, especially from the corner, if he gets it on a drive and kick, like, he can shoot the ball. Uh, you mix in the big man. Like, you don't see too many 6'9 kids just uh, walking around. So that's an added element to have where someone that can rebound, change shots, just be a presence inside. And then, I don't know how, but he always gets guys that just defend, move the ball, can hit open shots. So they're tough. They're going to be really tough. Yeah, it's a, one of the things I had complimented Grundy on a couple of years ago was, you know, I, yes, we did broadcast middle school basketball at one time, right? We, we did because uh, of a, he, he who shall not be named, I guess we could say. He's like Voldemort uh, at this point. Um, and... I remember watching Curry in middle school and I was like, okay. And like, after that game was over, I was like, Oh, Grundy, you gotta be real happy about this. He's like Ryan Curry. And I'm like, Ryan Curry, really? He's like, the kid is awesome. He's going to be incredible. And I was like, okay, whatever, you know, and just watching him in that, in the first preseason game we did the other day, he can get his own shot. And I think his mentality feels to me, the most aggressive of all the talented point guards that have kind of come through here. He seems like the most assassin like of the group. Yes. Yes. I mean, you had Remsen who was definitely a pass first player. No one could trap him chase by his senior year. He got more into that mentality, especially with his shot because I mean, his mid range shot was lethal. Yeah. But he never had it from the outside the way Curry. Has no, it. no, but he, but then you have Ryan, who can do like he can score at all three levels he can pass he's athletic like he's he's legit yeah it's uh, it's pretty exciting to 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 watch him i feel like the gra i'm always talking about the concept of gravity on the basketball court you know like how closely does your defender need to play to you you know relative to the to the rest of the players on the team and i feel like he he garners so much gravity that if one or two guys like i've just been in pogue's ear talking luke smith I'm like, Luke Smith, Luke Smith, Luke Smith. I'm like, if he just hits some open threes, yep. like, 
that and that's the kind of gravity that Curry has. He's going to play with zero pressure this year too. When you talk about Luke, or right. all he has to do is catch, make a couple shots. It's pretty easy. That's it's so interesting. Like, it is why do you think that is? I guess you know, like different schools and different. Uh, I don't even. I'm loath to say systems because I don't really know what the answer to it is. Is it, maybe it's a product of a system. Maybe it's just luck. Like Penn State's linebacker, you right? You know, through the years, yeah. uh, I feel like Montgomery's had just a kid and it's like when this kid's transitioning out there's a next one transitioning in Mm -hmm. who just sits on the wing and hangs out and then on the at the christmas tournament he's gonna hit nine threes like (laughs) you know yeah i mean i think it starts with having good guards like you have a point guard that can make that happen like you don't you don't do that if you don't have a point guard that can drive or get and put like get the ball out and push it so again i mean you just go back like all those guys, I mean, didn't mention from L like you have yeah. these point guards that garner attention from the defense. So you're going to have to leave someone open and it just happens to be a kid that can catch and shoot. So it starts yeah. there and then you have kids that put in work in the off season so they can catch and shoot, whether it's on the shooting gun or just doing workouts or at the park on their own. Are you, you know, as you work with the younger kids in your program, and when I say younger kids, I mean like, in the middle school level, you know, cause obviously, you know, you like Grundy know everybody, you know, that's born within an 82 mile radius of North Hunter high school. And like, when you see them, when they're that young, do you have an, a sense of like, okay, well, by the time that kid graduates, this, I, I need another guard who can handle, are you pushing that onto kids that you see potential in at that stage? Um, I don't, I mean, I look at them and I kind of project classes and I'm like, all right, this class, this class might be a little like weak at a certain area, but the next class has that covered. I don't really talk much about like a kid being special because like we've had kids where as like sixth graders or seventh graders, they have not been very good. And then when they get to ninth and 10th grade, they mature, they hit puberty, like something changes. Cause we've also seen the kid that as a seventh grader and eighth grader is just an absolute beast because he's five, nine, more physical and then he gets to high school and he's a junior and he's still five nine so i i mean we look and see who we have and kind of project things but i never really put too much out there gotcha one other uh, montgomery kid i want uh, your take on and then we'll let you go is uh josh moore um like i think he hasn't scratched the surface of his potential yet and i think part of that was and last year being a different year, but he's got length, which, I mean, you love on the defensive end, and he's relentless playing down there. He can drive, and just, if he gets that shot to be consistent, it's just another element that I don't want to have to deal with. Well, hopefully we can make it tough for you, Coach. No, so. I, already, I already sent Curry a text. December 23rd is my birthday to stay home. <laughs> I know. I saw that. I was like, oh man, we're going to North Hundred and on Kyle's birthday. It's going to be great. I'll have a happy birthday graphic cooked up for you, buddy. Oh, I can't wait. That's awesome. Uh, honestly, I, I know it goes without saying, but I, I wish you and your team all the best of luck in the world, except for the two times that we play you. And, uh, you know, I, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, all of the, the goodness that comes along with it. And we'll see you right before Christmas. All right, Keith, have a good one.
My pleasure. This has been the first in our kickoff podcast series, all leading up to opening night on Friday against Hillsborough, December 17th at 7 p.m. Stay tuned all week long in the Meyer on YouTube and in the Muck and Meyer podcast feed as we're excited for basketball. This has been the head coach of North 100 and Kyle Rarick. I'm Keith Block. Thanks for watching.